Welcome to An Apple a Day, a podcast, a resource, a community. Share your experiences and learn from others as we overcome barriers and learn to live a happy, healthy life with a disability. Welcome to the community. Here's your host, Jimmy Apple. Welcome to another episode of An Apple a Day. I'm your host, Jimmy Apple. An Apple a Day is brought to you by www.famousapple.com. Famousapple.com is the home site for this podcast. So if you get a minute, check it out. While you're tripping around the web, make sure you stop by our Facebook group. That's at www.famousapple.com forward slash group. The name of the group is Living with a Disability. There's a lot of nice people over there. They're asking questions. They're answering questions. They're chatting with each other. They're making new friends. So join the group. Go over to www.famousapple.com forward slash group. How you feeling today, my friends? You feeling good? You feeling strong? You feeling better than you did yesterday? Excellent. You can't ask for better than that. We have got a good one for you today. How many people here, raise your hand, have been diagnosed with diabetes? How many have been told by their doctor they're pre-diabetic? This is a common problem with people that end up with a disability. You become sedentary sometimes. You end up sitting in front of the TV, our favorite snacks uh, there, you know, our favorite pastime is eating chips, pretzels, you know. People come over to visit us. They think they're making us feel better by bringing us donuts and treats. And it's not their fault. It's our own because we eat them. Well, I can tell you, when the doctor tells you you're pre-diabetic, You have to follow a diet, follow the diet. I think 90% of the people who are pre-diabetic and say they follow the diet are full of nonsense. I know I'm one of the the 90%. When I was told I was pre-diabetic, the doctor said, Jimmy, you're going to have to follow a diet. Otherwise, you're going to end up on medication, you know, pills and maybe insulin later on. Well, I said, of course, doc, I'd rather follow the diet than end up on medication. And he was like, well, you got to do it. And he gave me this sheet of paper, what to eat, what not to eat. Well, we left that doctor's office that day. We went out to dinner. I know that sounds funny. But what I did is I sat down at the table. I looked at that sheet. I jumped in with two feet. I ordered a salad. I ordered water with lemon. I ordered coffee with sweet and low and fat-free milk. I was good. I was a, I was a good diabetic. I, was, I wasn't eating anything with carbs in it. No sugar, nothing. I cut out sugar. I cut out carbs. I cut out everything. That lasted all of about six hours. <laughs> you can't do that. You have to do it right. But I wish I knew our guest back then. Our guest today is Lynn Bowman. And she has a book that she put out called Brownies for Breakfast. And you're probably saying, oh my God, another diet book uh, and food that tastes like cardboard. And uh, can't put up with another diet book. Let me tell you something right off the bat, right up front. As soon as I did the interview with Lynn, I went out and I ordered her book. And 
<laughs> when I tell you this is not a diet book, this is a lifestyle book. The food, the recipes that are in this book, you would never know that they were low carb, low sugar, no sugar. This food is delicious. And trust me, I wouldn't say it if I didn't believe it. I'm not that type of person. You should know me by now if you listen to this podcast for any length of time. I'm not going to blow smoke up your ass. I'm not going to tinkle water on your shoe and tell you it's raining. It, if this food wasn't good, I would tell you so. This food is excellent in this book. It's not cardboard. You, you've had those diet cookies that taste like cardboard and they put those fake sprinkles on it. Tastes like pebbles from the gutter. No. This is not that. And it tastes like you're cheating. It's enough to make a fat man sin, these, these, <laughs> these recipes. Believe me when I tell you. But you know what? Let me, let me first tell you about Lynn. And as a matter of fact, I got Dave here. Dave is going to tell you about Lynn. So sit back for a second and let's listen to what Dave has to say here. Who is Lynn Bowman? Don't eat crap. That's her battle cry. There is enormous power in resetting your relationship with food, taking control of your health, strength, mindset and mood. But why take cooking or health advice from a snarky grandma who doesn't own a restaurant, isn't a reality TV star, doesn't have a medical degree, and doesn't particularly like to cook? Here's why. Her new book, Brownies for Breakfast, a cookbook for diabetics and the people who love them, is a cool, fun, beautiful, guidebook for anybody who wants to eat healthy, vegan, vegetarian, pescatarian, gluten-free and sugar-free. She was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes more than 30 years ago, and offers herself as living proof that you can cook, eat, sleep and walk your way out of type 2 diabetes, along with other chronic ailments. That's what she wants for you, and the people who love you. Brownies for Breakfast tells you exactly how to do it. Well, that's Lynn. And yeah, she is a snarky grandma, but she's also a new best friend of the podcast here. And I want to give you a little spoiler alert. She's going to give you a recipe that almost got one of her friends a DUI. (laughs) So listen for that recipe in this interview. You're going to love it. It's actually very, very good. So without any more fluff... Let me introduce you to our new best friend, Lynn Bowman. Sit back, relax. You're really going to enjoy this interview. Okay, like I said, we have today with us Lynn Bowman. She's... Nicknamed the Glamorous Grandma. She's a cook, a writer, a little bit of everything. So let's welcome her to the show. Hello, Lynn. How are you today? I can't wait to talk, Jimmy. Uh, You're going to be my new best friend. I already know that. I think we already are best friends. Yep. (laughs) So, Lynn, first question I have to ask you. Why did you write a book about brownies for breakfast? It already sounds good to me. Well, that's the whole idea. It should sound good to you. I wrote it because too many people don't understand what it is to be diabetic, to be diagnosed as a diabetic type 2, particularly to be the family member of a diabetic. Um, the, The big question, I was diagnosed 
fairly early in my life, in my early 40s. And nobody ever wrote this book for me. So I wrote it for you. Thank you. I wrote it. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, because we need to all be eating brownies for breakfast if we want to. And so here, here you go. I think that's how I and, became uh, diabetic, eating. <laughs> no, honey, you did not become diabetic eating my brownies. Okay. My brownies are real food. They're great food. They're nutritious. There's no sugar, no flour, no added oil. They are yummy food. And so what I'm about as a granny is what grannies basically have always been about, which is to say, Honey, sit down, have some good food. Here, have some soup. We have forgotten as a culture, and I know we're a lot of cultures mixed up, but Americans, Canadians, we have forgotten what food really is, what real food is, and what sitting down and eating with our people is. We're all eating out of a bag. We're driving through. Uh, and, and so we have this awful epidemic, which is really, I mean, we're so busy with our current covid epidemic. Uh, but nobody's talking about the ep epidemic that's been going on, which you've been affected by. I've been affected by it. Uh, diabetes and heart disease, chronic disease accounts for something like 85% of the medical money that's spent in this country. And a huge number of people, I mean, I saw a statistic and I went, wait, what? 98%, it said, of us have some degree of chronic disease. So I don't know if that's correct or not, but, but it's a high, high number. We're paying such an awful price for it. Yeah, Financially and otherwise. Yeah, we are. Now, you... So I'm here to help you. Oh. <laughs> that's why I'm here. Now, you, you, were, you were actually insulin dependent, right? No, I, I never was. Oh, um, you... And I, I, I say that proudly because most of us who get diagnosed in reasonable time never become insulin dependent. Um, you become insulin dependent if you have gone a little too far along the path. What they tell you, what they used to tell us, I don't know if they're really still saying this or not. I hope not. But what they used to tell us about diabetes was it's a, and with that look on their face and the tone of voice, it's a progressive disease. It doesn't get that. It's a progressive disease. So your job as a diabetic is to manage it and keep it from progressing any faster than it might otherwise. Well, I'm living proof that that it's not necessarily a progressive disease. And there are plenty of other people out there who have also proven that you can not only manage it and stop it, but you can, and this is in quotes, reverse it. My numbers now are in normal range. I test like a non-diabetic, my hemoglobin A1C. But if I were to start eating crap again, um, I would go right back into diabetic range. So that's the answer. Don't eat crap. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. Now, yeah. your, your, your A1C is down around about five or six? Yeah, it's a, it's a, I, I think it was 6.3, which is just right at the top range. You know, they would, would tell you you were pre-diabetic if you tested at 6.3. Your blood sugar, do you re routinely check it or? Not every day. Every once in a while I think, you know, I haven't checked it in a while and I'll check it. But my my eating and my exercise are so regulated now that I, I'm really not concerned about it on a daily basis. Um, if um, And my youngest child, my daughter, 
who is a medical, who's a nurse practitioner, is always saying, "Ma, if you don't feel good, be sure and test." I mean, if you get a, if you get sick, if you get a cold, you should keep your eyes on it. So, and a lot of people now, Jimmy, are are wearing these monitors and so on and testing all the time, which good idea if you're learning about how you are. Great, great idea. But I've been at this a long time, and if you're doing your your treadmill, your workouts, your walks, if you're eating good food, real food, whole food, uh, you're good. You don't need to be counting calories and weighing and measuring. And, and I don't want that for anybody. One of the reasons I wrote this book with a title like it has is I want eating to be joyful for everybody. And it, and it should be joyful for diabetics too and their families. It does not have to be a a sort of anxious, guilt-ridden process of, oh my gosh, am I okay? And is this okay to eat? So it's, it's not that complicated. It's a little bit of discipline at first. It's a little bit of education at first, but it's really easy once you accept what it is and make a decision that you're going to be healthy. Now, that's, it, that's the hard part right there. In your book, are you, count, are you counting carbs? What I, what I do in the book is for each recipe, I give you a basic nutrition box, you know, that, that you would expect to see on a lot of foods, right. which tells you what the calories and total fat and saturated fat and potassium and so on. But I also explain in the book that one of the things that I have learned in my studies is that those nutrition boxes aren't worth a damn. Exactly. They are not accurate. They, you can't count on those. And any two, the kinds of foods that I want you to be eating, which is real food, a carrot, for example, <laughs> any two carrots are going to have totally different nutritional values based on what the seed was, what the crop was planted in, what the dirt was, what the temperature, the, the, all of these natural things. Uh, this is not a factory. This is a, this is a, this is dirt that the carrot is growing in, hopefully. And so it's going to be an, a natural product that varies from carrot to carrot, just like humans vary from human to human. And so the, these counts that we have kind of been told to rely on really don't, they're, they're, you can't count on them uh, at all, nor should you. I don't want anybody sitting down to a meal going, okay, how many grams of, you know, transfer? Just stop eating crap. No more factory farmed anything. No more processed food. Nothing in a bag. If it's got five or six or seven ingredients in it, you need to put it down. If you can't pronounce the ingredients in it, if you don't really understand what they are, don't eat it. Right? <laughs> it's not food. <laughs> I want you to eat real food with real people um, and have a real good time. That's what I want. Well, the one you thing know, I always if look we're for. counting everything, it's not fun. The one thing I always look for, no matter what, is the carbs that I don't care about trans fat. I don't, I honestly, I don't care about calories. I always look for the carbs. That's my, and I may be wrong, but that's the well, one thing I'm, I always I'm look for. I'm not going to say you're wrong, but what I am going to say is what I would want you to do is be more concerned about the quality of your carbohydrates. 
a carb is not just a carb. Um, your body responds very differently to complex carbs. So carbs that come in the form of an apple or a head of cabbage or a bean, those carbs come in a wrapper of um, fiber and vitamins and minerals and all these good things that your body really, really needs. So your body is going to say, thank you for the carbs. If it comes in the form of a Dorito, it's not going to say thank you because that's not, that's not the same kind of carb as that bean that I want you to eat. No, I I understand that, but the here's my thing. I have to measure my insulin intake. Right. And right. I, and, I, and that changes the game for sure. Because I have to I have to watch I have to check my sugar four times a day. Yeah. And if I don't watch my carbs, my when I test check my sugar. My sugars, my numbers are going to be up. So what, what kind of, are there any foods, let's start with carbs, that you just know not to eat, that you don't eat anymore, that you eliminate from your diet? Oh, I don't, I don't eat cake. I don't eat candy, naturally. I don't, um, I don't eat bread. So you've cut out sugar. You've stopped all sugar. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't eat bread. I don't eat cereal. I do eat yogurt. I do eat, I eat fruit, but in moderation. Do you eat potatoes and rice? No, not at all. Okay, okay. I eat vegetables, naturally. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Meat, pro, you know, protein. Yeah. I have a kind of limited diet, and I'm, I'm losing weight. Well, it sounds like you're actually doing a lot of the sensible things um, that's not different from what I have in the book. But some of the stuff that surprises people is, well, first of all, I talk a lot about sugar substitutes, which a lot of people are scared of and they think they're icky and that they just, and there are some really nice ones on the market now that work well. Which one would you recommend? <clears throat> that, I, that's, that, I, I'm sorry, that's a, that, you know, there are so many of them between Splendor and Sweet and Low and, you know. Okay, that's a no and a no. <laughs> <laughs> Those are both a big no. <clears throat> but here again, you're looking for something that has one or two ingredients at the most on the label. So you're looking for something made of monk fruit and maybe erythritol. You're looking for sucralose is one of the newer ones. But you, when you find it, hopefully that's all that it says on the package. It is, it's a kind of um, fermented cane sugar, but it has no calories, won't give you an insulin spike good taste um one of my favorites is chicory root which is made out of chicory root it is an actual root of a chicory plant and it's an excellent sweetener it's sometimes mixed with erythritol which is another good a terrible name but a good sweetener and in the book i outline all the ones that i could and there's information coming out all the time to add to what i put in the book but it's it's i still current uh, and I, that's one of the most important parts i think of the message for people is that not eating sugar does not mean you can't have fabulous food fabulous sweets my book has recipes for donuts that are super healthy and you know the brownies super healthy and the brownies are made from 
nut butter, which you know is nutritious and good, and pumpkin, which, yes, it is a carb, but it's a complex carb. It's full of food value. It's nutrient-dense. And then uh, you can make the brownies with eggs or egg substitute and baking soda and I think a pinch of salt and some cinnamon. I guarantee you that these are the yummiest, gooeyest brownies that you've ever had. The difference being that you can eat only one or two of them and you know you've had a couple of brownies and that's all you need or want. Really? Because there's no sugar in them. That. Let's just get back to sugar for a second and the sub sugar yeah. substitutes. Is it better if you can't get like the chicory root that you were talking about and stuff like that? If you can't get that, is it better to use like a Splenda or is it better to use regular sugar? Um, no and no. Okay. <laughs> just no. <laughs> I mean, if if you are even thinking about becoming diabetic... But is, but anybody, I recommend for anyone. That's what I'm talking about. Man, for- woman, child, no sugar. Don't. Just cut it out right now. And what I've said to people and will say again is it is more addictive than heroin. I've got the receipts. I have the studies. It's easy to find them. It's proven that sugar is a highly addictive substance and if you said to me well i understand you're addicted to heroin and i would say yes but you know what jimmy i'm going to cut back on my heroin what would you say to me (laughs) i'd say no right no you're right you're right i I mean i i quit smoking i quit drinking i quit everything and the only thing i'm addicted to is coffee to be honest with and that's a great addiction i'm with you there Right. As long as it's good coffee, yes. and don't put a bunch of crap in it. Just well, drink the coffee. The only thing I put in my coffee is non-dairy, sugar-free creamer. There I, you go. I got rid of the sugar substitutes a long time ago, yeah. and I just and I just use the the non-dairy, sugar-free creamer and the flavored creamer, and I that satisfies everything. I don't need the sugar anymore. I don't need the sugar substitutes, right. and. I I was just curious because someone had said to me, if you're going to use sugar substitutes, just use sugar. And I I said, I can't do that because I'm a diabetic. Yeah. If you you want to see me do the diabetic dance on the floor, I'll add sugar. But But what people don't understand, Jimmy, is you don't have to be diabetic to have a problem with sugar. Anyone who eats sugar has a problem with sugar. Anyone. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll buy that. Yeah, it's true. And we are giving it to our kids by the bucketful. And, you know, every time you cruise into Starbucks for a, quote, coffee, yeah. and, and you come out of there with the frappahoodie of yeah, some kind, <laughs> it's full of sugar. That's a, And I, I tell the story in the book because I will never forget going with my friend Lisa up to San Francisco to a class how to have a cafe, you know, how to start a cafe. She had some property in my little town here, and she thought she wanted to do that. And I thought, well, that's fun. And the first thing this guy said to us was, understand that you will not be in the coffee business at all. You will be in the milk and sugar business. Yeah. What? Well, think about it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what they're selling. And in fact, it allows them to sell an inferior kind of co- uh, coffee. Their beans are inferior. Their process, it's all cheap because what people want is not that coffee. They want the caffeine, sugar, and milk yep. and cream. 
and, and sp- spicy flavor, whatever it is, you know, chocolate. And you yeah. have to have a lot of time if you, if you go if you go to like a Starbucks. Have you ever gone to a Starbucks? Oh, I absolutely have. Sure, only it's out of curiosity. I've only gone a couple of times, but I learned to stop at Dunkin' Donuts to get coffee to wait online at Starbucks. It, <laughs> <laughs> it takes so long. Well, you know, I I don't wait in line for anything anymore Jimmy, because I'm too old. I That's a, I don't want to throw my life away waiting in line for anything. I went once, and I swear, I swear to God, I think I waited 20 minutes to get yeah, a cup of uh, coffee. The next time I stopped at Dunkin' Donuts, got coffee, and waited in line. Yeah, I and, and I'm kind of a coffee snob because if, if you drink your coffee black, as I do, and I make mine in a French press, and I get good coffee beans, and I really love the taste of the coffee. Yes. The good coffee. Exactly. So, exactly. yeah, I'm not... I'm not going to be at Starbucks, and I do occasionally wander in just to see what they're offering and how much they're charging for it. <laughs> well, that's another thing. I was in yeah. LaGuardia Airport, and I was I was flying back to South Carolina, and I figured I got there early. I'll get coffee in the paper, and I'll wait. Well, I didn't realize I had to take out a second mortgage to buy coffee. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about this for a minute, because... I get that question all the time. It's, yeah, fine, you're talking about healthy food and, and how we all need to be eating this way. Well, it you know, prices are going up, and isn't it a lot more expensive? To, you know, no, no. The, the cheaper the food is a lot of the time, the healthier it is. You know, if you're, if you're eating cabbage and kale a lot and squash and you're growing your own food in your vegetable garden, you're saving a bundle. Yes, ma'am. Yes, and man. if you are not eat, if you're not buying meat, you're saving a bundle on food. And if you do buy meat, and um, and people ask if I'm vegan, no, I'm not vegan. I have been. I've experimented with it. It it can be healthy. It can also be miserably unhealthy if you don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. Just being vegan doesn't mean you're being healthy. But I do really encourage people to be careful about how they source their meat. And to be sure they're getting truly grass-fed and grass-finished meat, uh, not factory-farmed in any way. And, and as our local farmers like to say, the only bad day that cow ever had was his last one. It, it's really, really important for a lot of reasons, for the earth and the dirt and for your family and for your health. Eat good meat if you're going to eat meat. And you know what? It's... I don't know if it's really that expensive at all. I just yesterday had a lovely little flat iron steak from my freezer that I had bought from a local grass-fed farm, and it was small, and I sliced it and had it with a bunch of vegetables, of course. It was delicious. And I think it was maybe three and a half bucks for a half pound. It wasn't. And and if you think about what it costs you to to drive through anywhere, a walk in and walk out with a bag full of stuff, or have a meal delivered, I'm sorry, it's way more expensive than oh, cooking yourself. Yeah, um, and and cooking healthy food, absolutely. So don't give me that. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. how expensive it is. It's not. You know, and when there were all the runs, when, when the pandemic hit and everyone was racing to the grocery store, like, oh, my God, the shelves are empty and we're not going to be able to get this or that. 
obviously you were not in the produce department because it was you know you could shoot a cannon through the produce department always yeah. uh, you know well that again that goes back to what we were talking about earlier that well before we came on we're in, we're we're at a time where people want things handed to them they don't yeah. They don't want to do it themselves. And I'm sorry. It's much cheaper, or I shouldn't say cheap. It's less expensive to cook at home. It's it's yes. healthier to cook at home. You know what's going into your meal. Yes. You know who's handling your meal. Yep. It, it's much healthier, less expensive, and you can fix it the way you want it. You can add what you want to it. You can leave out what you don't want. It, I I always prefer to eat at home. It's I don't know. It's my preference. I know what's going that's, in. That's because you're a smart guy, it, right there. Yeah. Well, I thank you, thank you. But I know what's going in, and I'm fixing it the way I want it. And you know, I love restaurants. We all love sure. to be waited on. You know, come on, it's nice. It's yeah, sweet to have someone not seven days. Not seven days a week. Though. No. No. And the other thing is that family life now, the moms and dads are so overbooked. The kids are so overbooked. Everybody's in the car all the time. And the mom, you know, she's struggling just to get the kids to violin and choir and baseball and basketball and all this stuff all the time. And what's been thrown out of the Conestoga wagon is food meals together and in its place eating in the car out of a bag yeah so we've not only lost the nutritional function of the food but we've totally lost the social part of it because when you're not sitting at a table looking at each other talking to each other sharing i mean it literally it has a different physiological effect on you your food if you're munching it down by yourself out of a bag or in front of Jimmy Kimmel at 11 o'clock at night. If you're sitting at a table talking with people, you ingest your food in a different way and your system receives it in a different way. And I, I think we've only begun to kind of pay attention to that now. And, and because it was always a given, of course you were going to be sitting with people and eating at a, you know, the way they're eating and out of out of a bowl maybe and with with utensils right uh, and we're we're not doing that i literally jimmy have i have acquaintances who younger ones who have never grown up eating with utensils <laughs> they eat with their hands think about it it's you know it, I, i'd say it's funny but it it's not it's it's actually it's kind of pathetic yeah it's it's a problem yeah and we haven't really dealt with it yet. And that's what I'm trying to do out here. I'm <laughs> trying to help wake people up about, I mean, there are a few basic functions as humans that we do and that we need to continue to do. And, you know, one of them is eating, right? Another one is sleeping. And what I like for people to understand is how closely interrelated these things are. You know, you cannot, literally, you cannot sleep well if you're not eating well. And if you don't sleep well, then all these other things kind of go awry because, and actually this is something I learned just fairly recently in the last few years, that the only time your body is able to actually heal itself is while it is in deep sleep. Not just sleep, but deepest sleep. Right. Did you know that? I did. That's that's something that 
I, I've said that before on the podcast, and doc, doctors had explained that to me years ago. You know, one of the most important things that you can do, speaking to people with disabilities now, is get the sleep, get the eight hours sleep. And that doesn't mean falling asleep in front of your TV. That doesn't yeah. mean yeah. falling asleep on the, on the couch or the recliner. That means physically getting up, going into your bed, turning out the lights, turning off the TV, and going right. to sleep. <clears throat> and have you done any reading or studying about autophagy? No. I'm sorry. Oh, great. Okay. It's a new word for you because it, it is for me. It is. Okay. Well, we are going to learn something together then. Um, it, it's only come into my life in the last year as I've been doing this study about longevity and um, overall health. And what autophagy is, literally what the word means is self-eating, which sounds kind of grody. <laughs> but it means the process that our cells know how to do, which is clean themselves, groom themselves, and clean up the cells around them, and then put the detritus into the system to be eliminated. So there's this grooming, and I don't that has a bad meaning, but I, I mean it in the best sense. There's this grooming that goes on among your cells to get rid of all the little bits and pieces that aren't working anymore, all the worn out dead stuff needs to be cleaned out. Well, it turns out that you can only experience this autophagy, this chemical process and biological process, after you have not eaten for about 16 hours, maybe 18. Really? So imagine then that we have a whole population going around. How many people do you know who leave 16 to 18 hours between meals, once, twice, three times a week. So would this be considered fasting? The yes. In intermittent fasting? Exactly. But when you hear that word, everybody goes, fasting, no thanks. And what people don't, I think, hear and don't understand is that this performs a function in your body that can only happen when you're not eating and it, and it's like that highway crew right they need to wait until midnight 1 a.m for the traffic to die off before they can come out with their brooms and shovels and clean stuff up and that's how our bodies function so as a routine yes it's fasting but i don't even think of it that way i just i stop eating at two three in the afternoon i don't eat at night at all and what that means is between two or three in the afternoon and say 10, 11 the next morning, I've left plenty of time for the crew to come out and clean up. Hmm. Because as human beings, we are not designed to eat all the time. You know, we, we grew up at a time when three meals a day, right? And snacks. And then as diabetics, we were told to eat constantly, small meals, you know, you, you like just, several times a day. You just right? took on my. You just took on my next question. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, guess what? Wrong. It's wrong. And and think about the logic that as human beings we were designed. What we're really good at is withstanding want. 
not eating. We're great at not eating. Our bodies are all set up for not eating. And when you stop eating, your body kicks in like, okay, now here's some, here's some ketones. Here's some stuff to, to really keep you going until your next meal. Because think about what life was like for human beings until 19, I don't know, 30 or something, um, maybe 1880. Most human beings could not imagine three meals a day. You know, you might get one decent meal a day if your grandma had been out and she'd foraged and she brought home some some good um, you know, mushrooms and things from the forest and some green stuff. And, and maybe the fellows had been out and grabbed a, a fish or an animal or something. But you didn't eat three meals a day. You were busy, right? And the food just wasn't there. And even after people were, were um, doing agriculture, you know, the food couldn't be kept. It couldn't be maintained. So to think that people are naturally deserving of three or four meals a day is just like wait whoa yeah maybe that doesn't make sense and so now the science is underlining the fact that not eating for periods of time makes a huge huge difference in longevity in disease resistance in curing disease but you have to let your body do the work that it's designed to do which it cannot do if you're throwing down pizza in front of Jimmy Kimmel. Now, during this during this fast, can you can you take in water? Oh yeah, absolutely. Sure. Water, any clear liquid, coffee, tea. Oh, you can have yeah. coffee. Oh, no. yeah. No calories is the thing. Zero calories. Nothing that has actual food value. So, so you mm-hmm. can you can you can do this fasting. You can drink mm-hmm. black coffee mm-hmm. or tea, mm-hmm. water. Yep. And all it is, Jimmy, is just training ourselves to not, like little Pavlovian dogs, expect a donut at 8 o'clock in the morning, you know, <laughs> right. or expect ham and eggs at, at 9. You know, what you do is you train your mind and your body to go, oh, you know, at 10 o'clock I'm going to have something really nice. Um, and then, and in my case, I'm, I think I'm, I'm a, basically a lark. I, I like to be in bed at night pretty early. And, and so it wasn't a big deal for me. The hardest part, if there was a hard part was just going, you know what? I don't really want breakfast. I'm skipping breakfast. I'm going to have something really nice at 10, 11 this morning. And then I'm going to have something else that I want at two, three in the afternoon. And that'll be it. And I have the luxury of, working from home now mostly so so and i i'm a home cook and and i want to eat at home so it's not hard for me to do that it's becoming easier for a lot of people after the pandemic maybe this is a silver lining because yeah you need to be at home possibly to do this with a lot of success a lot of the people that I'm seeing who are professionals doing this and they're out doing their professional thing, doctors and so on, they make their one meal a dinner at six o'clock at night Mm -hmm. and they they eat one meal a day, but they eat generously. They eat good food and they eat plenty of it. They're not limiting their food. They're just limiting their, as I told you, I hollered at you at the beginning of this. I said, no crap. 
it has to be good food. You know, it has to be really whole, wholesome, plant-based. And by plant-based, I mean mostly plants, food. And But you don't, ha- you eat until you're full, you know. You eat well. And then you're done. And then you can say, your body, okay, I'm done. It's all up to you now. And your body knows what to do. Now, how many times... And, how many times a week do you do this? I do it basically every day. Oh, do you? Um, yeah. And the, the difference being that if I have a function, if I have a dinner with folks, I always ask to do it early. I always ask to be the, those, those people, the first people in the restaurant at five, right? And, and I will eat lightly for my last meal. But most days, I don't eat after two, three, maybe four o'clock if I kind of get busy and I forget in the afternoon. And I don't eat when I wake up. I wait and eat, you know, maybe 11 o'clock, something like that in the morning. Very interesting. Yeah, but, and here's what's interesting, Jimmy, is you get used to it and you have more energy, you will feel better. You'll, you'll feel a difference. Now, do you notice, do do you notice, well, you don't need to. But do you notice weight loss doing this? I've lost 20 pounds in two years not trying to lose weight. Really? Yeah. See, and I'm not very big. No, I, that's, <laughs> what I, that, that's what I said. You don't need to do this. But No, but the point is, you know this. As a diabetic, you need to keep your weight as low as you comfortably can. That it really will help you. And... Also, um, you know, losing weight, if you're on insulin, that's a battle, right? Right. right. It's really a battle. Uh, but, but this whole, quote, fasting thing, and again, and I'm not making this up. There's all kinds of science there out about it, but it's kind of how it has to do with your mind, too, how you think about it. And... What the science is saying is this is one of the best things that you can do for liver disease, for it, this is the way that people are reversing diabetes. And, you know, it beca- it comes down to behavior modification. You're modifying, yes. you're modifying yes. your behavior. You're not really doing without. You're just shifting it. Exactly. You're just changing your habit. Yes. And... That's exactly right. The, and that's the same premise as something like Weight Watchers. It's behavior modification. I did Weight Watchers for years. To well, knock, it works for some people. Yes, it well, does. Well, for me it did. I knocked off 100 yeah. and somewhat pounds. Right. And it kind of depends on where you're starting. If, if where you're starting is really eating badly, Weight Watchers is a good way to learn how to eat better. Right. For I, sure. I'm not saying I, I, well, I don't do, I don't go there anymore, but not because it's a bad thing, but for me, it just became a challenge physically, but yeah, yeah, it, it's, it's a good program and all, you know, it depends on what you put into it, into any program. What you're talking about right now, this fasting, again, it's what you put into it. Yes. You have to have the mindset to, to do it. Yes. And I, I talk to people all 
the time because as you can imagine I can be a very annoying friend because <laughs> I always want to know about what you're eating if you like it or not and how do you feel and, but so many people struggle with having their food limited in any way because we have this deep emotional tie to our food but you know it's it's very close to our hearts in many ways well I think that again that's their their head playing against playing against themselves it's not really limiting your food i mean, your book from from everything that i can tell i ordered your book by the way thank you so much <laughs> i ordered it right that's after we one got, that's one right after we got <laughs> off the phone but you from what i could tell from your book so far just you're not limiting your food no. really you're not yeah. You're just yeah. finding a different way to prepare it. Well, and not only that, Jimmy, but so many people, if you really, and of course, this is a long conversation, but nutritional research is so fraught. It's so messed up because measuring what people eat, watching how people eat, having people report how they eat is almost impossible. It's really a tough challenge. So people aren't honest with themselves or anybody else about what they eat. But the point is that most people who are eating what they call the standard American diet, the SAD diet, right? S-A-D diet. <laughs> what you're what you're eating is brown and beige all the time. You're eating nothing fresh. Everything is is bread and meat and potatoes and and it's all kind of the same mushy stuff out of the same commercial kitchens and and so on in the same bags. And maybe maybe sparked up with a little pizza now and then, which is the same processed bread. And it's it's a very limited diet that most people are eating now. What I ask you to do when you get my book and when you decide to become healthy is to start eating more varied food, actually. Even though the recipes in the book are old-timey grandma, very familiar recipes, still most people, if they were honest, would say, yeah, I haven't eaten anything purple or red or orange today. I haven't eaten anything yellow. I haven't eaten much that's green. You know, yeah, I want you to eat the rainbow and I want you to eat things. I want you to eat soup. You know, soup is such a wonderful universal food that is a great way to put vitamins and minerals and protein and all kinds of things in a bowl and make it taste good. Soup. How, how many people in this country are eating good, homemade, not crappy soup every day? Well, that's, that's it. Most people eat it out of a can that, that's stocked with sodium. Yeah, ew, ew. Well, not only that, but if you get soup at a restaurant, guess what? You know, Because restaurants are in business to have you come back, mm -hmm. to have you go, wow, that was delicious. And so, it's, so the food is mostly full of, of course, sugar and salt and other not so great things. But, yes, soup is cheap, easy to make at home, and it's delicious. And I'll, let me give you a little quick recipe, okay? Go ahead. You ready? I'm ready. My, my mushroom soup is you, you saute in a little bit of olive oil, um, onions, and mushrooms. Are you ready? Two ingredients, right? Mm -hmm. Well, three with the olive oil. Okay. And then you add some stock, vegetable stock, okay. and maybe you put some parsley in it, and then you, you, you simmer it for an hour, and then you put it in the blender. In the blender? You with me? Yeah. Yeah. 
a little bit of, of truffle salt. I highly suggest a little bit of pepper if you want. And then here's the secret. You put a little bit of whiskey in it. <laughs> and now you're talking. <laughs> oh, honey. And you blend this up. And I absolutely promise you that when you serve this to people, they'll go, Jimmy, I had no idea. This is amazing. How'd you do this? Don't tell them that it didn't cost you a damn thing. Super cheap. You know, it simmered on the stove while you did something else for an hour. You put it in the blender. That's it. It's divine. Does that work with Southern Comfort? <laughs> and what I say in the book is, don't waste your good stuff. Use your cruddy old, you know, use the cheap whiskey. It's fine. Um, yeah, Southern Comfort, fine. It just gives you that little zing of the the alcohol and whatever magic it is in in the whiskey. <laughs> um, don't smoke. Yeah. Or, don't smoke around the soup. <laughs> but I mean, you're only putting a little blop in. It's just for flavor, so don't be concerned. <laughs> it's really good. And then and uh, but this is this is what cooking is. Cooking isn't slaving over the stove. You know. Cooking isn't buying the most expensive ingredients and running down to the store to get the 16 things that you've seen the TV show need to be. No, no, no. You open up your cupboard and what do you got? Well, some mushrooms that need to be eaten up and some onions that have been in there forever. Make soup. Right? Excellent. But now you know the secret. Excellent. It's that little bit of whiskey. Yeah. Is that in the book? Oh, yeah. Page 97. <laughs> that's yeah. that's yeah. my first. And that's my first recipe. <laughs> you bet. And in fact, in fact, I and I have a little story um, about. I think I put the story in the book. Maybe I didn't. I don't know. Uh, this guy, he was an attorney that I'd had to do some work and told him about the book and the recipes. It was before the book was finished, but I was always, of course, testing recipes with people and gave him the recipe for the mushroom soup and. He sent me an email later and said, you should have warned me. Well, what? He said, I made it and I ate it and it was absolutely delicious, just like you said. And then I ate the whole recipe <laughs> and I didn't feel so good afterwards. <laughs> he got a DWI so, from, from Yeah, soup. so I'm warning, but I'm warning you, it isn't the booze. That's the problem. It's that when you eat a whole bucket of any kind of soup, you might feel it. It's too much. Um, but I promise you it's good. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. And, of course, the whiskey's going to kill any bad bugs in the soup. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it will. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So that's grandma cuisine right there. There you go. You know, yeah. Snarky grandma. <laughs> Snarky grandma. Grandma gets even snarkier after a bowl of soup. Yeah. In <laughs> that, fact, I'm thinking I should call this the snarky grandma diet. What do you think? I think it's great. <laughs> what do we do for dessert? Rum cake? <laughs> um, well, you could. Do you want me to talk about desserts? Because I certainly can. Yeah. Um, there's a recipe in here for a carrot cake. It's called Mimi's 18 Carrot Cake. It's gorgeous. Um, uh, the perfect pumpkin pie is in here. Now you talk. Uh, I, yeah. Um, sugar cookies with unsugar cookies and vanilla shortcake and, um, 
And then I have a little page here on the best food you can eat grows wild. And can you guess what I'm talking about there? <laughs> can you guess? Um, I mean, you look outside your door right now in upstate New York. What do you see under the trees? Under the trees? I see a rabbit right at the moment. Um, All righty then. What do you think he's looking? Okay, <laughs> I will. I will answer my own question. Thank Blackberries. You. Blackberries. Oh really? Yes. They are any any fruit that is that deep dark blue black deep red color has all this magic in it and blackberries literally i mean they're they're weeds right they're just out everywhere this time of year midsummer sure um and they are delicious and there's no better food on the planet go get some now don't as a, as a diabetic don't you have to watch with the fruit Yes and no. I limit myself to a couple of fruits a day, maybe three. But I'm eating whole fruit, Jimmy, so they are complex carbs. They are full of so much nutrition. And if you eat your vegetables first, particularly, what you're doing is you're preparing your stomach to treat that fruit in a different way than if you're just sitting and munching down fruit. Um, it's it's fine if you if you eat your other food and then eat a fruit, and yeah, limit it to two or three a day. But blackberries, particularly, look them up. I mean, they have so much fiber and oh, so and, many other good things, and the antioxidants mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, all that, and they're free <laughs> if yeah. you pick them in your neighbor's field. I mean, you know, this, or if you've got them, as we do, we've got them all over the place this time of year. The challenge is that you're going to get lots of stickers in the process of picking them. This is but, true. You know, and then here's a pear upside down cake in my book, which you could definitely put a little rum in that. And that'd be fine. Um, I tell you how to make lemon curd, which is the basis of a lot of great desserts or just by itself. It's wonderful. And then one of my favorites, since we're talking about berries, it's called very, very good gelato. And it's like three ingredients in your, it, do you have a little, little kind of mini food processor that's up on top of your counter in the kitchen? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right. So you put the blackberries in there with a little bit of soy milk or oat milk or, or if you've got a little whole yogurt, something like that, a little bit of vanilla and sweetener and you grind it up in the processor and you've made yourself the best gelato you've ever eaten and it's basically nothing but blackberries well i tell you what we have we have quite a few vegans and vegetarians that listen to this podcast that are right now probably pulling the food processor off the counter and and making this there is so much you can do and the the recipes in the book by the way are almost entirely vegan or vegetarian but i tell you how and when to add if you want eggs or a little bit of meat, you know, where and when you want to. But but the the idea is based on, it's plant-based, absolutely. Um, whereas most cuisine is meat-based or processed flour-based or something. But yeah, um, the book is definitely designed for people who 
want to eat either vegan or vegetarian or just plant-based. Well, you can do it. In general, healthy. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait. I can't wait for the book to come in. And well, I can't wait for you to have it because we might need to do another show. Oh, we definitely started making this stuff. <laughs> I, I, I believe we're de we definitely are going to have to because I can think of a thousand more questions to ask you. The only thing is we're running out of time here because you have an appointment this afternoon. Yeah, I do. Yeah. And but I definitely want to have you back on because we're I have follow up questions that I. That I'm definitely going to want to ask you once I read the book. I would love to hear from you oh, uh, after you read the book. And plus, maybe some of your listeners have questions. I was just super happy. Yeah, I was to just going to say that. And well, I want to let I want to let them know that in the show notes, I'm gonna, I have some uh, websites of yours that, that they have yes. to look at. And do I have a contact email for you? Or a I yes. Yes, uh, because I sent you the one sheet and things. So okay. Yes. So if they want to get in contact with you, they yes. can. And they can. the The best way to get in touch with me that I won't miss. I'm really good at getting my messages from my web page. So there's a contact form on the web page. It's lynnbowman.com, and then um, you'll see that there's a contact page. And you can send me a note, a personal note that way, and I promise you I will respond. Well, Definitely. All, the, all this information is going to be in the show notes for this episode. And you're going to see a picture of Lynn, so you know who you're talking to. And you'll see why I said she doesn't have to worry about losing weight from, from fasting. If she loses any, well, more, and, she loses any more weight, she'll be invisible. Uh, I'm I'm not a particularly huge person. <laughs> not in the slightest. Sure. <laughs> they, but, we, yeah, we used to have a saying: if you lose any more weight, your back pockets will crisscross. But <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Um, but yeah, but yeah, Lynn, this has been so much fun. This really... it has been big fun for me, Jimmy, and I, I and I hope we can do our next show soon because I'm looking forward to it. We are gonna, we we definitely will, and uh, I really want to thank you, and I want to thank you for waiting waiting for me with the the with the thing with the stroke and everything. I'm I'm so happy you waited, and I appreciate well, that. I'm honored and happy that we have connected, and I hope we keep the connection going. It means a lot to me. Definitely, definitely, it means a lot to me too. You're you're my new expert on food here, so and your new best friend. Definitely, right? without a doubt, you're my new best friend. Alrighty. So Alrighty. I want to thank you again for being here. You're welcome. I really appreciate it, and I appreciate you waiting. Like I said, I really appreciate that. And we'll talk again. Until we talk again. Take care, my friend. So was that a great conversation or what? Is she great? I'm telling you, Lynn's crazy. What did you think about that soup? <laughs> a friend, a friend passed out from drinking the whole pot of soup. Thank God he wasn't driving. But I want to thank Lynn for coming on. She was a great guest, and her book—you have to get her book. 
I'm telling you, I got it right after the interview, and it's worth it. The recipes in that book are great. And it's not you don't have to go out and buy all kinds of special items to put in these recipes. It's stuff that you already have in the house. I'm, I'm telling you, this book is for everybody. This isn't some gourmet, you know, chef's special book. This is stuff you already have in the house, and the recipes are delicious. I'm telling you right now, again, enough to make a fat man sin. And I got good news because Lynn is going to be back with us again in August for updates. And maybe she might even share a couple of new recipes with us. But she'll be back again in August. Listen to the podcast. I'll give you the dates. You're gonna want. You're gonna want to be here when she comes back. You thought she was crazy on this one. She's gonna be even better on the next one. Trust me. But thanks again, Lynn, for being with us today. I really appreciate it. And on the next episode of An Apple a Day, we have Dr. Amy Novotny. She's an entrepreneur. She's a doctor of physical therapy. She's a breathing and pain specialist. She's an author, an ultramarathoner, and a photographer. Now, if you don't know what an ultramarathoner is... She's running more than 40 marathons, including the Boston Marathon. She's run two, count them, two 100-mile marathons. And she's going to explain how she was able to run these marathons with the techniques that she teaches. So you're not going to want to miss this, especially for us us folks who are disabled, if if she can run two 100-mile marathons, I don't even like to drive 100 miles. She's running 100 miles. <laughs> but if she can do this because of the techniques that she teaches, imagine what she can teach us to get around. So you want to be here on Monday, okay, when Dr. Amy Novotny joins us. And I want to remind you, Things can always be worse, my friends. That's right. Things can always be worse. Right now, there's somebody somewhere wishing that they were in your position. So things can always be worse. Hey, you've been listening to An Apple A Day. Our guest today was Lynn Bowman. My name is Jimmy Apple. And I'll be talking to you again real soon. Have a great day, my friends. Thanks for listening to An Apple A Day with Jimmy Apple your gateway to a happy, healthy life. Join our community at www.famousapple.com. See you next time.